Welcome to the Mumbrella Podcast, recorded at the studios of CBS Interactive. And now we're weekly. I'm Tim Burrows. Your co-host is Scott Rohde, PR man, famous on Twitter, and newly appointed at Hot House, but more on that later. In this week's programme, how Hamish and Andy bossed the radio awards. The hey hey, it's racism row. Has online videos time finally come? That James Packer, David Leckie spat. Tweeting journos and the big moves. Mark Code from OMD and Scott's own news. But first, to the week's telly. Now, Scott, have you caught Flash Forward yet? I haven't actually had a chance to watch it yet. I have um, acquired um, the first two episodes, but I've not actually had a chance to, to to watch it. I'm hearing good things so far. Now, when you say acquired, you mean illegally downloaded? Uh, somebody passed me a copy of them, yes. Um, I mean, the good thing, obviously, is I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by the fact that the TV stations over here are actually getting their act together and getting things on TV as soon as possible. I think this is something that they need to do um, urgently, because otherwise they're going to miss out on a massive chunk of their audience who are going to be downloading it, especially the younger generation where this is this is what they want to do in life. You know, they think that where music five years ago, where the music companies had a chance to to really contain everything with Napster, and then when they killed Napster, it, music became this commodity. It was dispersed across the entire internet. You know, the possibility is this could happen with TV shows, and obviously if there's people are downloading them and TVs aren't TV companies aren't showing them then we could be at some form of impasse where the money's not going to be there to these great TV shows to be made. And I did wonder, actually, with 10, where, for instance, when they ran Flight of the Concords, mm. probably a year after it broke in other parts of the world, particularly with that younger demographic, whether that was one of the reasons why that didn't do terribly well, was yeah. because anyone who was that interested in it had probably already downloaded it. And I think that's semi similar to 30 Rock in Australia, where everybody I know has already seen it. So if it comes on, whatever time, it just got shifted around a lot. I think that's the other problem, that a lot of um, TV channels have a tendency to shift around the programme to, to suit sport, and that can put a lot of people off watching it, and they just go end up going, I'll oh, just download it. It's but Flash Forward certainly has been a success story so far. Absolutely, and I hope, it, I hope it continues, because hopefully it sends a message to the networks that they can they should be doing this kind of thing. They should really be speaking, to, if, if someone's popular in the US, they know someone's going to be big in the US, bring it over straight away, get Fringe. You know, that's another fantastic show, but you never hear about it over here. And there's so many good shows in the US that you don't really get to see over here. The other question, of course, is if they're not a hit straight away, then there's that issue as well. And the other challenge for Flash Forward will be, you know, great early audience, you know. Not often you get stuff in the two million mark. Mm. Um, but will it stick with this long and complex plot? You mm. know, rather like, you know, it could it could become another lost, I guess. Yeah, where nobody, where nobody knows what's going on. Absolutely. Anyway, so that's a, that's that was good news for Seven anyway. Um, also what debuted about three weeks ago now, I guess we're getting on for, was The Apprentice for Nine. Much more disappointing numbers on, on, on that. Oh, absolutely, now. yeah. I mean, you would. Have, this is one of those, those shows that, that kind of you think everybody wants to watch, but I think that the formulas become stayed and people have become a little bit dismayed by... I think, especially this year, it's a very negative show at times. Um, and yes, I suppose it's people fighting each other. Mind you, I'm not sure I completely buy this sudden theory that just because people liked MasterChef and there's a recession, that everybody suddenly wants warm, fuzzy things. Like well, I don't think they do, but I think they just. Getting, I think we're all getting a bit fed up of 
people being really nasty to people? Or, or but are we? Don't we just want people to be entertainingly nasty to each uh, other? I th- well, I think, yes, I think we want to be entertainingly nasty, but I think there's, there's a thin line that sometimes gets crossed where you think, well, that's just a bit harsh. I mean, this is a person we're, we're talking to, and I think that, you know, a little bit more upbeat on TV wouldn't go amiss. No, for instance, you know, the one thing I haven't bought in this whole Kyle Sanderland saga is that the public, you know, have suddenly turned against nastiness. No, the media just, have turned against them. Yes, and they just enjoyed giving him a kicking. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not sure there was a, suddenly everybody wants nice things. I think possibly he'd upset a few people along the way, and because of that then people people see the reason to get someone. I mean, I, I know of certain celebrities or certain people when I was a journalist that if they... Um, if they did anything out of place, then the media would pounce on them simply because of the way they treated X amount of journalists and that kind of thing. What goes around comes around in Absolutely. the end. Now, uh, the other one that's been kind of uh, interesting in the telly world this week has been the whole uh, Hey Hey reunion Jackson <laughs> Jive sketch. Um, what did you What did you make of that? Well, it's funny because the first time I watched it, I kind of sat with my chin in the floor and I was like, "My God." Tell me this isn't happening. Did you? Were you? You actually watched it live? Yeah, and I just went. I I am gobsmacked that this is. I, I like from where I'm from. If somebody did that. There'd just be uproar. Um, but it's funny because like like um, Harry Connick Jr.'s reaction was similar to mine. Um, but when I, I've spoken to a lot of Australians since then um, about this, and they've not really seen a problem with it. And then another friend of mine said, "Well, you know, in Tropic Thunder uh, two years ago or last year." Um, what did you think about the fact that uh, Robert Downey Jr. blacks up for his role and actually takes on a full persona? And and I said, well, it was funny because you know he was actually making taking fun of himself. And but I suppose when it boils down to it, is it racism? Is it not? It's it's an individual thing. Should the should the um, should should the channel have shown it? I think somebody should have taken a step back and went, this actually could cause issues. And I think that's the key difference between now and 20 years ago. We need to realise that Australia is a much larger multicultural um, country and that we need to realise that, you know, this kind of thing will upset people. And I think that's what political... It's not really political correctness. It's that you will upset an X percentage of the population, so therefore should you do it? And sometimes it comes down to justification, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's been some of the, the debate with the ABC over some of the stuff that Hungry Beast has done or yeah. the chases in the past. You know, if there's a serious point to be made, John Safran is going to be another one. You know, that's going to create an absolute firestorm, but you get the feeling that there's a bit of a serious point to be made. Yeah. To it's similar to what Chris Morris did in, in the UK with his, um, when he did a story on paedophiles and he did another one, a new drug called Cake, and got a lot of celebrities, celebrities to see how much cake should be banned. But the point is, his point was that celebrities jump on bandwagons. Um, and, and because of that, you know, he was pointing out that, that there was holes in places and that, you know, that's what I think that the the channels need to realise that you, you've got a massive audience, but do you want to create controversy? Do you not? Are you trying to promote? Sh- you know, it's a tough one. I, I, I'm 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 on the fence of it. Yes, I thought it was racist, but did it actually really offend me when I took a step back from it? All? Not really. Okay, well, moving on, we've 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 talked about Carl Sandilands already, who very noticeably wasn't recognised no, at the Radio Awards. The big man, Hamish and Andy. Yes, did 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 did, did rather well actually. Are yeah. you are you a fan? What what are your morning lessons? You know, and, I, and I, if I'm habits? driving in the morning, yeah, I'll I, I will be honest here. I, I flip between 
Hamish and Andy and WSFM for that more kind of serious older music that I can just chill out to depending on my mood. But I find them I find them really entertaining. Um I think I've I've listened to Kyle's show and I've not really been impressed by it. I think it's again it's quite negative. But these these two are funny. They make me laugh in the morning. I, I think they've really well deserved this thing. It was interesting hearing Jason Morrison, two GB, getting some recognition as well. And this mm. is the this is the one that strikes me a little bit because of the profile of the audience, slightly older. I'm not sure that 2GB gets the credit it kind of deserves yeah. from the buying community. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? Your older audiences don't... Your older audiences are the ones that listen mostly to the radio, and yet they're the ones that... You know, you always get the Kyle sign lunch, you get the Hamish and Andy, and you'll, it's, it's one of those things that breakfast presenters are the zany, wacky guys who, who flog the thing in the morning, but... It's the afternoon shows with a, a little bit more cutting edge, a little bit more, well, not cutting edge, sorry, a little bit more interesting. And um, I think, yeah, they don't get recognised enough, so it was nice to see that. Yes, and also talk Ray Hadley getting well recognised mm. as well. Talking of uh, older audiences, it's interesting to see how um, Prevention Magazine is going. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's got a, a market, I think it's uh, 40, 40 to 54, I think it's 45 to 54. So to see a magazine not only, you know, completely run out of its print run, but to then, you know, do the reprints and all that kind of stuff. It's incredibly interesting in today's marketplace. I think they've got a real, they've got a possibility of a real hit in their hands. I think the older audience, um, that age group, aren't really catered for, especially uh, in a lot of magazines. Um, And I think that they've, I think there's a possibility they've got a real winner in their hands. Now, my only question on that, I suppose, is uh, are we slightly being manipulated by the fact that ACP probably set expectations quite low in terms of what sort of listening habits, we, what, what sort of uh, buying habits, rather, we should be expecting? Uh, possibly, but I think that, um, I don't think there's enough sometimes aimed at that audience. I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of magazines are aimed at the younger gen- dem- demographic because, a lot of advertisers want that demographic, but when it boils down to it, you know, the ones with a lot of disposable income are the 40 to 54 year olds who've spent, you know, especially if that female demographic where a lot of them, you know, are housewives, they're at home, they're looking after children, and, you know, a lot of them, that's why I suppose why um, daytime television's aimed specifically at them. Um, and, you know, why not? Why not? If, 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 my, if this magazine's going to be a success, and all the best to it, because it, you know, again, it's an entire, entire podcast based on positive news for me. That's because I'm in a good mood, probably. Um, <laughs> Unusually. <laughs> um, and I think it's nice to see some positive news in the media like that, where, uh, you know, something's actually being successful rather than these constant, you know, uh, magazine sales are down by 30%. Uh, so, yeah, it's nice to see that kind of flip round. Well, I guess, sticking with the vaguely positive tone of the podcast today, um, Online video. Now, this is one of those things mm. that, rather like mobile, I, I reckon I've been writing about media for, well, for at least the last four or five years that I've been writing about it. Every year, somebody somewhere has said that mobile is going to be the year of mobile. Um, and video has begun to go the same way. But I get the feeling that maybe maybe video content is just beginning to come of age, on, on, online video. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because um, you've got um, Fairfax um, Digital, obviously, pushing out there, FDTV, uh, which is really interesting. And I think that's it has to be the way forward. You know, it's a visual medium a lot of the time, and people want to consume, you know, the, their news visually. They want to consume it. They want, it's, it's all about content creation for, for a lot of uh, companies now. And I think that we've got 
the, we've got the tools now. It's so much easier to create your own video, edit your own video, and then get it out there as quick as possible. I mean, you do it on your iPhone now. You just film it, edit it, and then upload it straight to YouTube. Um, and I think that it's good to see the big players deciding that this could be the way forward. Although at the same time we've got Lee Terry from OMD writing this week that actually there's just not enough content. There's a shortage of the right content to put ads against. Oh, yeah, I agree with that again. But is that just the fact that people aren't looking to, to create, you know, there's not enough creatives out there? Because there is an ability to create new content every day and you, there's ability to create really good new content but you know, are people? I think I think the problem is people are still looking at it as a t- looking at too many things like a TVCs or short little snap things. But I think that down the future we're going to have the, so much content and the ability to create so many interesting content that people are going to spoil it for choice. And I suppose the other thing is it's reskilling and retraining journalists yeah. as well. You know, if, even where the big media owners are beginning to get their head around, it's not just about newspapers getting a journalist to get their head around editing audio or editing video is is, is a brand new skill. Yeah, and I, I suppose that I believe it's tra- they're trained now in a lot of the colleges and universities teach them in that, which is, the, it's been the way forward, you know, when I was a journalist, you just didn't have the crossover, you had journalists you had snappers, that was the rules but yeah, it's, it's all about multi-skilling now Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, interesting to see. And also coming up, I think, towards the end of the month, the uh, AMIA, the Australia Interactive Media Industry Association, <laughs> um, they, they just created a, a kind of a video committee as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that drives on. Now, also in the news this week is your move, um, formerly of Zing PR until yep. Friday. Yep. When you were shown the door, and now you're... Um, <laughs> I no, sounds so bad. I wasn't <laughs> shown the door. I resigned no. a month ago. <laughs> no, when you finished working on Otis and moved across to Hot House Interactive to launch their PR practice. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be creating a, a new um, digital PR and social media practice. Um, I've got some, you know, really quite solid ideas. I, I want to make sure it's very, it's an ethical company. You know, we don't do any of this black hat stuff. There'll be no trusted avatars, that kind of thing. Um, that's where people kind of effectively spam blogs. Yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. I think you know, social media and, and digital PR. You know, they have been around for a long time, but just with a different name or no name at times. Um, but I've, I've, I've lived and breathed. Let's just quote this again. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've, I've been online all my life. I was on bulletin boards back in the eighties. You know, Commodore sixty four with this old modem. Um, and I've always spent a lot of time online. I used to moderate a, a video games forum in the UK. Um, I, you know, I spend a lot of time. I spend most of my life connected in some way. Um, and I like to think that I've got some pretty unique insights about what people actually want to consume. So when I, you know, when clients come to me and say we've got this this product, you know, I can say, well, actually. I kind of know where that should go and the way it should be given to them. Now, one question I've got about social media is it almost feels to me like, in terms of agencies and business, it's up for grabs. You've got PR agencies coming in from one direction saying they can be the people who lead the strategy. You've got, obviously it was always this way, but Mm. this is a new medium. You've got advertising agencies doing the same thing and sometimes doing quite interesting things. And even media agencies. What what is the case that it should be PR? Well, I think think it's, um, it's, that's what I call the Ghostbusters effect. Um, where in the old days, everybody was, was told, you know, don't cross the streams. You know, advertising was advertising, PR was PR, digital was digital, and nobody... But there's this convergence happening where everybody's everybody's meeting in the middle and saying, well, I want a 
big slice of that pie. I seem to remember something very bad happens when the streams cross, though. If yeah, well, 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 well the, the, if the streams cross, it's meant to be bad, but sometimes it's the only way to save a situation, a la the Marshmallow Man. Um, and um, on a way, it was Zul, taking down Zul, he needed to cross the streams. Um, I just didn't want the geeks going nuts at me there. Um, I think that would be enough of the analogy with Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, sorry, we'll drop that. <laughs> um, but no, there, there is this, um, this this area up for grabs at the moment. Everybody's, everybody's trying to head towards it. And I think PR should be leading it. But of course, most everybody will say, well, you're saying that because you're in PR. Um, but I think they should be leading it because they come from a communications background where you know they understand... Um, the strategy behind it all, whereas you know, advertising. I've, I've not worked in advertising, so they'll probably come out and give me an, you know their how they perceive it. Um, but I think that it should definitely be PR led. But I think that advertising um, and digital companies have solid backgrounds that can really aid social media. Um, and obviously, from my digital PR side, we also do things like um, digital crisis communications. Um, and look at overarching strategies, um, not just um, um, uh, countrywide, but globally, if need be. It's worth also talking about your you're pretty active within Twitter. I guess one of the things you're involved in organising is Shitbox. Yes. You should probably explain what that stands for. Yeah, Shitbox is um, the Surrey Hills Twitter Bureau Clock Exchange. Um, rules are quite simple. Um, uh, we're, not, we're not allowed to swear yet, are we, in the podcast? Well, on the whole, we'd rather not. We will. We do plan to be on iTunes. Uh, well, so we'll I don't want to put a warning on the Yeah, so, so we'll say um, no C-words. That's a standard rule. And then that's about it. You know, come along, have a few drinks, and uh, enjoy yourself. It's as simple as that. It's, we do it every week at the clock at 6 o'clock in Surrey Hills. Sydney only at the moment, but if you know, I suppose if you want to set up your own shitbox-esque thing in Melbourne... Queensland. It would have to be in a suburb that began with the letters S and H. Yeah, that's a problem, really. Well, we can just create suburbs like that. (laughs) Um, But no, and it's literally just, you know, if you're on Twitter, are you online, are you doing whatever you're doing, and you want to meet just like-minded people that enjoy a drink, come along. The thing is, there are an awful lot of these social media things at the moment, aren't there? Because you've got the Friday morning coffee mornings, you've got social media club Sydney, which meets not every Monday night, but Monday nights. Mm -hmm. Um, one could actually spend their entire week going from social media event to social media event without doing any actual work whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I try and limit myself now to two nights a week. I think that's that's good for me, good for my liver. Um, but there's, I mean, I think I think the same could be said about most industries. In the mortgage industry, when I used to work in that, there was events all the time. Um, it's the same, you know, there's media events happening, there's advertising events, you know, and if you're, the problem is with social media is it's across all of these areas. So you kind of need to drip, drop in and drop out of a lot of these things to try and learn more information. So back to your new gig, mm-hmm. um, what are you going to call your new Oh, agency? see, I knew you'd ask that. Um, I'm still toying with ideas. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm not going with Scott House, okay? I really like Scott House. <laughs> I thought that worked on a number of different levels. <laughs> Next topic, um, it's kind of been James Packer week, really. James Packer. He's like Tyson, but smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was interesting to see that. I mean, 
the the picture in the paper, you know, they see a picture and say, you can can see a thousand words, and it was just priceless. Him to wagging see. a finger, yeah, very surprised, looking David Lecky. Yeah, and like David Lecky was just like, "Whoa, where am I? Whoa, where's this coming from?" And we've got the book coming out, of course. He wants to be a billionaire, the mm. Barry book. What brilliant publicity for him! Oh, as he well. must be just dancing a merry jig right now. He just be like, "Thank you." Here's my book. Buy a copy. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of interesting as well because. I suppose Packer is becoming less and less of a media mogul and mm. more and more a, um, for what billions he has remaining, a kind of a gambling mogul. Yeah, yeah, a lot of his investments are in Macau, I believe, which is obviously, um, from here, from I know some people that, that have investments over there, and, uh, you know, that's going to become such a large area for gambling. They've got, the, you know, they, they buy these, they fly these people over just to spend all their money and fly back, Uh Genius, if you ask me. If people, if people want to come over and spend money in a casino, let them. If you can make it work, yeah. of course, that's the issue for him at the moment. Is um, he doesn't have quite as many billions as um, as Kerry left him to start off with. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's been interesting. Um, another one from the papers this week. The Australian focused on not for the first time journalists who tweet. Yeah, nah. Got, I mean, it's, it's a big story in their paper, nearly full yeah, page. It's a big investigation, really. Yeah. You know, kind of looking at the subject. Um, What's what's your take? Should should every self-respecting journalist be on Twitter? Well, I think it should be up to the. I think it's up to them. Um, you know, as a research tool, Twitter is fantastic. Um, it's funny because with this story coming out, a lot of tech journalists have been online using Twitter for two years, and you know nothing bad was ever said really. And then if, then you know now that the, the news guys are getting on board, it's, it's changing the whole um, the way people are, are looking at them. There have been a couple of stumbles recently. Someone lost their job. For uh, Queensland it. was it? I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. I mean, I hate to say this, but he made it one of the classic mistakes on Twitter, which is to bag out the company you're working for. You know, and not only that, he was. I think he tweeted about he was writing. He was ed- sub editing a columnist. Yes, and commented that it was a boring day and there were boring columns or something. Yeah, like and, that. and you know, I mean, you know, would, would you you'd say that? Would you say in a pub? Possibly. Would you say that at an event to people who are also, you know, it's it's common sense. Why would you bag out the company you work for? Don't bag out the person that, that's paying your bills. Don't bag out the person you're sub-editing copy for. I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah, so it doesn't mean that all usage of Twitter by journalists is necessarily bad there. No, no, there's some great... I mean, I, I, at the moment, um, I've been following a lot of Andrew Colley's work. He's um, covering the... Um, I, the I I net, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, 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 make, I, make a, I make sure every day that I just go to his page and just see all the content he's putting up about what's happening, and it's fantastic. Yeah, so I think ZDNet have been... Um, mm. Also had someone there as well. Yeah, yeah, they have. He's yeah. also been tweeting. So this is from, you know, live tweets from the trial, basically. And it's fantastic. Is, it's, it's, I like to keep up to date with that, but it's just to have that updating ability constantly where I can look across on my Twitter feed and see a little snippet and then I'll little mark that as a favourite and then drop back later and check the whole feed and it's wonderful and that's, that's, you know, that's instant news for me I must admit at one point that did appear to be a series of tweets this is more for Andrew Colley saying that he didn't really follow what was going on or that it was a bit boring yeah but you know, I've done court work a so lot. It reminds me of my yeah. court experience. <laughs> I kind of wish I had someone to share it with. Although I'm pretty sure that in my court days I get shouted at just for having a phone in my hand. Oh, yeah. I think the rules have changed slightly since we've grown up. Um, but no, I, to have 
to be able to sit in court and listen to what is basically eight hours of people talking can get boring. So fair play to him, but at least he's honest about it. Yes, and equally though, we've got Campbell Reid's quote, which I can see you've got in front of you. Uh, shall um, I read it out? Yes, it's worth doing so. It's a few months ago, but he's the group editorial director of News Limited, so mm. not without his influence. And he's slightly more sceptical. Oh, yeah, he said... Um, we're very uncomfortable with staff tweeting in a professional sense under their own names for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is legal protection and concern about what is published. Now, this, I suppose this brings us to, you know, a lot of the stories are saying that um, the possibility for being sued on Twitter and blogs has become much more prevalent um, these days because what people are saying is damaging to brands. Uh, there was a story, I think, in the SMH last week about um, uh, hotels, etc. You know, if you write a bad review you've got the possibility you're going to get sued. Um, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be, I think there's going to be a bunch of test cases that are going to really see how it plays out. You know, what you say in a public domain. If you have a bad experience, I think you should have every right to say, this is what happened to me, this is why I didn't enjoy it. You know, and I think that in a public domain, we should all have that ability. And I don't, think, I don't really think a company should be able to come forward and say, I'm going to sue you for that when okay. it's the truth. Final change of topic again to um, OMD. We've already talked briefly about um, Lee Terry talking about uh, the uh, rise of video. But there have been some moves, which has included a promotion for him. Yeah, I think the headline was uh, the end of OMD's menage trois. Yes, I rather liked the with the, with, the, with manage, spelt manage, yes. of course, which I thought was quite a good headline, actually. Yeah, for the, that is for the, the, for the Yeah, usually they... they they play it straight down the line, but yeah, it's nice to see them. Yeah, so what we've seen is um, Mark Ho, CEO of OMD, who've had a couple of very successful years, um, had this very strong management team underneath him. So Lee Terry, Peter Horgan were the sort of two that he shared the office with. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Code is going back to Melbourne. The other two guys are both stepping up as, as joint MD. But it's, it's one of those slight surprises just because... It's almost a rarity for someone to, to go out on top these yeah. days, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You'd think you'd stay there until they start to fail. and then. But, yeah, he's, he's been riding the, the, the wave for, for so long. He maybe just got a bit bored and decided, I want to try something new. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I suppose the only thing with OMD is it almost felt that, you know, they were, were not in such a good way, say, five years or so ago. So James Greek came through, got it on the beginnings of the right track, seemed to move on quite quickly. Mm. Uh, Mark Code, I guess he's had a good, he's probably had three years now or something. But, yeah, um, but yeah you know, I'm sure it'd be great for when he moves over to um, CHE in Melbourne for them. But yeah, um, a lot, kind of a loss to the Sydney media industry, I think. Oh, right? I think so as well, yeah. Um, but, you know, best of luck to him, that's what I see. Absolutely. Well, that's it um, for our first of the uh, newly weekly podcasts. Um, Thank you very much for all the comments uh, people gave us during our during our pilot episode, one of which was a request to keep them shorter. So rather than uh, the 50 minutes or so we clocked at last time, this one will come in within, um, within half an hour. But th- as I say, that's it for this week's Mumbrella podcast. My thanks to uh, CBS Interactive for use of the studio and to my co-presenter, Scott Rohde. Thank you. And for the latest news, go to mumbrella.com.au. Otherwise, we'll see you at the same time next week. Take care. Thank you.